Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Lightning Dogs, the official podcast presented by the Nerdist Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdist Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdishow.com. Lightning Dogs is conceived as an all-ages property, but these behind-the-scenes conversations are not all-ages. So listen at your own discretion, baby. Woo! Sometimes a great idea is truly like a bolt of lightning. And sometimes, if you're lucky enough, you can capture the exact moment that it strikes. That's what happened for us one fateful night while recording an episode of Nerdy Show. We accidentally launched a concept that derailed the entire show and in no time, our lives. We couldn't stop talking about our favorite action figures and B-movies while twisting them into strange creatures, weird adventures, and dog puns. Lots of dog puns. This is the story of Lightning Dogs, a journey steeped in the glory of 80s and 90s animation and sci-fi, where anthropomorphic dogs tear through the wasteland of a ruined earth, battling mutants, miscreants, and the evil glampire. Coming soon to small screens, comic books, and podcasts. Or at least that's the goal. But how do you go from a crazy idea into a fully formed world of conflict and characters? How does a harebrained discussion become an animated series? That's what we're going to find out firsthand. We've recorded the entire development of Lightning Dog since day one, from the moment of conception to every world-building session and planning meeting, and the journey is still ongoing. Tune in as we create the world of the Lightning Dogs live. Hey, Doug here. Over the past two episodes, Tony, Cap, and I built the history of the Lightning Dog's homeworld using a tabletop system called Microscope. The system provides game rules and a structure for developing an epic backstory to basically anything. In this case, the timeline of a planet. From the moment humanity left this colony world to the moment the Lightning Dogs reverse-engineered human tech to open a portal to Earth. This is the last installment in this Microscope series, and in this episode, we focus on the biggest event in the history of dogkind. The Great War, a planet-wide conflict that significantly shaped the lives of our main characters. But before we dive into the main conversation, there's still one matter that's been left unsettled from our first session. The name of the dog homeworld. Do we call it home? Do we call it Domus? Domus? There was actually a suggestion you had, Tony, that I completely forgot, which was Lycos. Yeah. There might be a copyright issue. There could be. (laughs) I mean, I've come to really like Domus. I like it too. It is very Latin. Lycos is a little, if I think Lycos, I think Lycos, go get it. And it's the, the commercial. But does anyone else remember that? Like, do, would, would well, children well, remember me. that? I, I ran a search, and to this day, the only thing you get when you type in Lycos into Google is still Lycos. The search, the search, search Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is unfortunate because, I mean, their symbol was a dog. It has lie in the name. 
It's obviously some kind of Latin thing. From what I recall, the dog Lycos was the first dog in space, if I'm not No, that's Lyca. Lyca, okay. Yeah. I mean, Domus is a is a good way to go, and my only my only argument against it is that Domus is a spin-off of, of the of the home idea mm-hmm. that I presented, and I feel like though certainly they would have had access to certain elements of Latin from the people deployed to this colony world. We're going to assume English was still the first language of the masters there, mm-hmm. and it, it makes more sense. It, it could have been that the masters who landed there called it Domus. It could. I feel like it would be kind of kind of funny to be like, so what did the, what did the masters call our world? Like, um, they called it A seven two E. Yeah. First off, that's it's, they, they they think it's leet speak. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Uh, D07U5. Dogs. <laughs> I, I mean, the idea of a dog going home, though, I think is so strong and intrinsic to what our characters are going through. That sure. to keep that To keep that home idea there, but spin it in a way that actually sounds like a planet name, is something we should keep. Yeah. And Leica, I mean, to the Leica Lycos thing, I feel like that's a little bit on the nose. We wouldn't be the first person to do it, and... Well, yeah, I mean, I think Lycos is, is different enough, but it's weird. I mean, it's it's two to one here. I'm still in the favor of home. You guys are in yeah. favor of Domus. We're all ultimately talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So. The only thing is, I like the idea of calling it home, but then if you just call it home in English, it sounds too boring to me. That's, and that's what I, I'm saying. I feel like yeah. it sounds heartrending. Like, dogs really get to the point. Dogs know what they want. That's why I feel so strongly about it. Mm-hmm. And I will consent to the majority vote if that's the I just, case. I, I'm not. I'm not like super strong on it. I just feel that Domus sounds more like an alien planet. And if anyone looks even slightly under the thinly veiled reference of Domus, it's like you get a surprise. It's like, oh, home. This oh, the, they're all calling it home. They want to go home. I think it's different enough. It, and it's it adds a, a it's what's of... going to matter to the drama of a situation. Mm-hmm. Like, well, where do you come from? Well, we come from a place we call home. And they're like, well, right, we right. really? Like, no, like, that's what we call it. Like, right. They're like, oh, doggy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although, I gotta, I gotta say, on Cap's side, I always think it is weird when you're talking to an alien culture in Star Trek or Star Wars or wherever, and the planet they come from just is a weird alien name that doesn't really have much to do with, like, Earth, for humans, is literally what we call the dirt. Yeah, right, if, some, if someone's like, oh, you call your home home? That's so cute. Like, you call your planet Earth. That's... You, Weird. <laughs> you named it after the sediment. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Sentiment, sediment, is it that close to you? If we do call it home, we do have to have an alien phoning all the time. You we got to get this kid a shot caller. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the name, home works. I just don't want it to be confusing later whenever they talk about it. Because if they say... Yeah, well, we, don't, cause, we cause definitely I, don't want confusing. As, as we're, an, we're confusing as, enough. Well, because think, as an offhand comment of like, they're out in the wasteland in the middle of season three. They're out in the middle of the wasteland and they're like, oh man, what a rough day. Let's go home. It's like, wait, you mean the planet? Or like... I thought you guys were still trying to fix the Farfetch. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, because home, home is where you're like, you're, you're currently... Home is where you hang your, your hat. Yeah. Uh, so are we discussing the dogs wearing hats? Is that another thing on the docket today? Uh, I'm sure they were. Well, we, yeah, we, that's confirmed. Yeah. Confirmed dogs wear hats. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll go with Domus. Let's do it. And we can always change you it later. Yeah. Something better. Do, do you have a better suggestion? Write <laughs> in lightningdogs at nerdyshow.com or comment on this thing's posting wherever that is. Um, by the time this makes it up, won't it be well, like... Hypothetically? No, if we hear a better name, we'll take it. I'm open. I'm open to anything. Famous last words, Doug. <laughs> at this point, Tony is right. 
We've settled on Domus as the name of the planet, but comfortable as we get on a premise, nothing is final until we commit it to print or some kind of production beyond being a proof of concept. Lightning Dogs was built on fan interaction. If you have a suggestion, thought, or comment, don't hesitate to reach out to us on Patreon, the forums, social media, or any which way you prefer. But now, back to the matter at hand. Oh, and please pardon the sniffles and squeaky chairs. In order to spread our microscope timeline out, we're still using a different recording setup from normal, which picked up a lot more ambience, and I guess we all had colds at the time. The last time we were working on world building, we kind of had some last minute breakthroughs about the Great War. Yeah. And that whole section, because that is, that's an interesting section for us because we don't really have anything there, but it's also one that will directly influence our characters' lives. So it's, uh, maybe let's let's see if there's anything that we can yeah, I no, think that's get started working on there. I mean, in order for us to really get moving, I feel like the Great War is the only thing that's left. The only thing that's 100% necessary to move forward, for sure. The beauty of the way we got this set up is that you can plant stuff almost anywhere in the timeline and still have it influence the Great War. It's just a matter of, like, let's just see what comes up. When we last talked, I think it was, uh, we were talking about, like, sort of the fascism, the rise of the different classes of dog or whatever. Some mm-hmm. that think it needs to be one alpha. Not even the different classes, but just the different ideologies. Yeah. The idea that under one alpha we have, we have unity, we have... We a have direction. Unity, we are one pack. Whereas the other idea is that we're all alphas in our own right, and we should right. we should be able to govern these mm-hmm. pockets in a way that more directs them. Mm-hmm. It's essentially yeah, fascism versus democracy, and a duly sniffed and appropriated alpha. Mm-hmm. Now I'm picturing the vetting process being like a scene, a, you know, high-ranking dog sniffing the ass of he who's to be president. <laughs> now he checks out. It would be easy for us to make the aggressor dogs. The totalitarian dogs, 100% Nazi allegory, and I think I, maybe maybe it's going to be visually where we where we're able to gravitate away from this. It'd be interesting if the totalitarian dogs weren't necessarily like a literal Nazi allegory. If it was more of just like, no, this is the way we've always done it, and look how far we've come with civilization. Why do we have to completely flip the script and you know make it like this? This whole there's a revolution happening. It's not like everybody was free before and suddenly this new group shows up and says, hey, everyone, how about you not be free? It's like everyone kind of was sort of following, especially we have things like with the Inquisition and stuff. Hinting that there's like a leader and there's been wars on ideologies before, but it's always like one leader with an army versus another leader with an army. Whereas this is more of like a war of an idea. Maybe like the fact that they're in power, but then people are just saying, you know what, we're kind of sick of this. With with technology being available to everybody, why are we always counting down to one person? Why do we let the Alpha decide the way? What separates him from anybody else? Based on everything that I've seen in terms of the the Middle East, one of the problems that they've run into as they're trying to institute a new government is the way that everything had been governed. Mm -hmm. When everything's taken care of by one person and you remove that, all the framework is in place for someone else just to step in. Pretty much. And it's it's what has the infrastructure been built to do? One person in charge, all of a sudden you're trying to lead by a committee and the, the infrastructure isn't there. And it's, I mean, it's the same thing. A, a monarchy and a fascist dictatorship are separated essentially by the way the person rules. Could it be then that maybe what the Great War is isn't necessarily a rise of fascism, but the death of a monarchy? Like, I don't want to be, like, literally a king or something, but the idea that the, that those who are in control are slowly realizing they're not important anymore, and this is, like, a last-ditch effort to get everybody back in line. Like, if the decline of the British Empire happened more abruptly? 
like yeah, super super abruptly, and then but they also still had a lot of strong followers who would fight for them and right. be like, listen, this is getting out of control. You guys are stopping listening to us. This is the way it's got to be, and then everyone else is like, well, why? Like just because? I mean, it could even be it could even be something where the existing monarchy recognizing that they're going on are trying to snap people into falling in line the way they used to. And since it's not working through diplomacy, they start using more force. Right. One of those of, you know, while we still have the biggest stick, let's wave it around. So right. One right. of us should really get into military history so, <laughs> so we can firm this up. Because I think we're all we're all like Ultimately, this is something that could be made so much stronger if we like if we it really pursued it, that. Right, it doesn't have to parallel Earth history yeah. at all. But I'm just thinking in terms of like if, if we met, we're making a fantasy world here. Yeah, what's to say we just don't have this fantasy setup of it's like British monarchy, but more evil? Like that they just have this. They 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 see their power slipping away. And they say, well, let's do something about this. And it's yeah. just the exact wrong reaction to have. This is super important to the actual outcome of the Lightning Dogs. This is like, this is flashback level material. Mm -hmm. We've had some comparisons to, you know, Firefly in the past. And understandably so, because two of our lead characters like met in a war. And that came back to haunt them in Firefly. And it's certainly going to happen within our story. So we need to know as much as we can about this conflict. Now, Doug, every single time we record, you whip out these story dice, and we've never used them once. So maybe we should <laughs> yeah. do that now. Just as a way to just get the brain thinking. Just a symbol that pops up that just sort of spark an idea. Wait a minute. What the heck are story dice? Well, they're a separate thing not related to Microscope, and they're actually called Rory Story Cubes. They're sets of six-sided dice with different vague images on them meant to inspire a quick random batch of ideas that could be a story. The outcome is really open to your own personal interpretations of the images and the combination of the images that are rolled. They come in a bunch of different sets, and we'll link to where you can check them out on this episode's page. I got a, a word balloon, the symbol for chaos, that's appropriate, a moon, a fire, the uh, balances of justice, the scales, yeah, a magnifying glass, a planet, an eyeball, and a teepee. And There's just, some good ones here. Just pick the ones that you find the most interesting that stand out to you. Okay. And then I'll pick ones that stand out to me over here. I mean, I, I got the narrative of world and chaos. That's easy. I'm personally, I got when the world was put under a microscope and everybody's watching. So what we're doing right now, guys! <laughs> Justice on fire. You could call it a trial by fire. These are the ones that interest me. You got what looks like uh, cities, uh, water. Like, like Sort of like an ancient Middle Eastern city almost. Mm -hmm. Got water and ocean or something, and then... Pirates of some kind. It says skull and crossbone. That looks and, like death to me. Yeah, or it could be death, and then a crown. I was thinking that the uh, thing that might be a lead up to the Great War. Again, I was saying we shouldn't feel like we have to parallel Earth history, but it's easy. It's an easy thing to reference. Yeah, uh, I, and I agree. As many opportunities we have to not parallel, the better. But knowledge of Earth's history will inform us how these events on a global scale could play out realistically. I was thinking uh, with the thing of that maybe death and the crown. It could be that. Much like the yeah, assassination was it a Franz Ferdinand? Oh, Franz Ferdinand. Mm -hmm. Like maybe the, the diplomacy breaks down when somebody assassinates yeah, a head good. monarch or a person, and then they go, you know what? Fuck this! Like we tried playing nice with the lower level dogs. Yeah, no, and, and it's, it could be it could be the monarch right. is killed, and then the asshole son or daughter. Not the asshole son, the vizier, the second in command. Well, those two work in tandem. If you have an advisor or a number of advisors, a council to the king for whom the king was always a chokehold to distill their information. They're, they're like, okay, well now game on. And what's more, we have an arrogant and wounded heir who's like, well, my father was weak and I... He wouldn't deal with these people and now they killed him. Yeah. The mental image that I've got 
less than a, a vizier, you know, with a, with a choke-holding president, but his, his truly, like, a best friend. Like, a best friend that deferred to the, the monarch's wisdom. Sort of the Castro de Che Guevara? To an extent. Somebody who, he, he's leading by example, and he's inspiring his friend, and then the second that this guiding influence is snuffed out, not only do you have this person who's already starting to take a more totalitarian look at things, but now he's got revenge on the brain. Mm-hmm. And he assumes the role of Alpha, mm-hmm. and because they were the top of the food chain together, it's not like, you know, because we don't necessarily have to have a bloodline, it's, it's dogs. Well, because yeah, you're right, there is there is one thing about that where dogs are always looking for a leader in the pack, and there is, even inside a pack, there is like a hierarchy, so it makes sense if one goes, the next person in line just steps up and becomes like the new leader, so it doesn't even necessarily have to be by birth, it could be by whatever, but if this person is the assistant vizier, whatever he is. The second in command. Yeah, we'll yeah, the, the second in command. Is right, Paul Man. Yeah. And, and plus, that. And the other thing about that is that might be another reason why some of the other lower-level dogs are upset, where they're like, so wait a minute, just because just because he dies, suddenly that gives you the right to go do this? Shouldn't we elect somebody? Like, shouldn't this be an opportunity to do this more democratically? And on the flip side of that, we have those who are loyal to the crown who are now on board with this message of revenge. Mm-hmm. Well, but you also need to, to think about the only way there's going to be a great war that's going to like rock the entire planet is if there's unity to be found in the wake of an assassination that generally creates a lot of people asking, well, what comes next? Who's the next person? It's destabilization. But you need something that's going to act as a lightning rod, a gathering post for all associated countries when the rebellion starts as a result of that. And that's difficult because, like, you know, a vizier is one thing, but that's, that's, all, that's always going to be a background person. A figurehead, like a, a prince or an heir of some kind, that's something that, that the general populace will rally behind because an advisor is not... In the public eye as yeah. much, especially. Though we don't necessarily... I, I've used the term <clears throat> vizier, second-in-command, <clears throat> but perhaps a more appropriate way of looking at it would be a president and vice president, somebody who is every bit as public, who's every bit as out there. Cap said prince, and that's and that could be, I think, that, uh, not just because it's a son, but the idea of having to be a prince, that's someone who can be in the public eye, but that's also somebody who can actually have a real job being like a second-in-command person, and that could be another big lightning rod reason for the people who are behind the monarch or the king or whatever we're going to call this thing. When he gets killed, it just de facto just goes straight to the prince, other people say, oh, that's the way it's always been. Not only is he in the bloodline, but he's also he also has an important job, and, and he's also in the and public his, eye. And his rage reflects our rage. Exactly. But then for the people who are opposite that, they're like, dude, just because he's the son of whoever doesn't like, give him the right. If anything, that know. makes it worse. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's just going to exacerbate yeah. the problem. Exactly. So for someone who's like, oh, man, I didn't like the king either, but assassinating him just made things worse. And now we have someone who's even worse in his stead, not because he's an evil person, but because he's now emotionally involved. Yeah. And it's and he and he has the power to do something about it. And so I don't know, I'm kinda of digging that. That has enough emotion behind it and makes sense, even though it's not a hundred percent like because I mean with dogs running in a pack, I, I think maybe that can be a thing where it's like in real life, a puppy's not gonna suddenly be in charge of, you know, whatever whatever the pack is doing. That might have an instinctual thing a re- negative reaction to it because of that, if that makes sense. A little bit. We would have to mix the second-in-command character, though. Well, I mean, maybe maybe mm. the second-in-command character is the good guy, and he should be in line, but the son seizes power. And the average people are like, dude, 
He's supposed to be the next Alpha. When an Alpha dies, the second-in-command of the pack takes control. And now the sun has swooped in. It, like, that could be a point yeah, of... That and I like, the, I like that idea. Yeah. And I like, ooh. And I think we could play with the idea that the second-in-command was would not necessarily be a great leader, but was, like, the, the great warrior. Well, if we look at, say, Symbiotic Titan, a lot of the problems in that show comes from the general was, this is unconfirmed in the storyline, but I'm pretty certain, possessed by an alien entity and appears to be operating of his own volition, but is not, and overthrows the kingdom because he's the general and is able to destabilize the monarchy and bring war to that world. But we can't be too worried at this juncture about the drama of all that. We simply need to figure out what's going to be the lightning rod moment. So there can easily be BFF advisor positions going on behind the scenes, but there does need to be a certain degree of unity because this assassination needs to bring this country together rather than to create additional factions. That could eventually be its undoing, but it needs to have something that's going to be so strong so the combined military might of not just that country, but every other affiliated monarchy will be up against essentially, you know, a global movement for the people. Monarchies tended to be the lay of the land for many, many centuries in most countries, Mm -hmm. and most large countries especially. So, and monarchies begetting dukedoms, etc., etc. So, eventually those all led to certain degrees of revolution and eventually, like, democratic republics and so on. Let's say something to the akin of of the democratic republics of, of ancient Greece... You know, those came and went. They became dictatorships at certain times. I might be getting my history a little bit fuzzy here. So there's a portion of the globe that is effectively, has been operating as a democracy. It's a smaller portion, but it's growing. People like it. The countries are still separate, but they agree on terms. Meanwhile, let's say we have something like the British Empire over there, where there's sort of a fraternity among alphas, like among these these associated monarchies. They like that they have full dominion over their people and that that the pecking order is clear and defined and not structured. It's all about alphas as heads of regions no matter how disassociated they may or may not be with their respective people. So this is this fight right here, and this this, this might be this might work to our whole timeline. Due to the accelerated evolution of dog kind, we're experiencing the social rebellions and political rebellions on a on a larger scale. The basically the death of monarchy. We're experiencing that in modern times based on the timeline and the advanced yeah, evolution. Technology technology out grew society. their society. And in fact, because it's not even their technology, it was always there. Yeah. It's, so they were, they're in fact playing catch up, but their understanding of the technology went too fast. And now all of society has to have a wake up call and has to make choices and stuff that, that maybe most of them are not ready to make. Just legitimately can't imagine life being any different. Whereas those who can see it being different are looked at as like dissenters or loners and, you know, and, and generally negative when you're thinking in terms of like a pack. And this, when you while you were talking, this reminded me of another thing that I thought about with the idea of the alphas of alphas and stuff. Like if it's not even so much like one country has a monarch die. I mean, we haven't said what the size of the planet is, but I'm assuming it's like as big or smaller than Earth. You could have alphas of different regions, but there, I'm thinking maybe there should be an alpha of the planet at that yeah. point. So that, because we haven't, right before the Great War, we have an age of enlightenment where everything seems to be going really good. Technology wise, it's better than it's ever been, but then it's the ideas that are catching up with the technology. So and, and at that point, monarchy cannot hold. Exactly. Right. So it's even more drastic when there's literally a planet wide monarchy, the likes of which Earth has never had. 
mm-hmm. you know? Well, damn near. The closest we would have had was the British Empire. Right. But even then, British Empire didn't rule over 100% of the planet. It was, it was a lot. But they the didn't. And, and I'm, not, yeah. I'm not sure that it's possible for anything to rule over 100% of the planet. There may need to have been something that at least they could lead by example from, mm-hmm. you know, like something that they could they could reference. Otherwise, I'm not sure that the people would ever be motivated to overthrow it because they would never have had another example of what they could be experiencing. And also, where they get the weapons from. We can't present a, a scenario where the only way for them to arm themselves is by attacking already occupied bases. They need to have someone who's supplying them with at least a baseline so they could eventually seize and appropriate those munitions. I just think if we make it a thing about country versus country on a different alien planet, it's getting complicated really fast. Right. Because then we have to think about what's each country's motivation, whereas if it's just like we have one monarchy and you could even... Dude, if we, if we wanted to break it down, we could say different sub-alphas to the main king alpha, whatever he's supposed to be. Maybe the, there's arguments amongst themselves. Any dissenting parties, we can have hmm. be these sub-alphas of different territories. But if they're all answering to one alpha, the idea is that this is supposed to be one it, united world, and now it's, you it, know. In the 1920s, we saw a lot of royals from various countries affiliating more often with common people because of the entertainment that was available and the communication that was available and everything. They were more interested in being extremely wealthy, normal people. So there could be a destabilization from within as well, like countries who are more than willing to adapt a democratic schema mm-hmm. than to put up with, you know, and they probably need, need their respective parents to die in order for mm-hmm. them to implement this, but right. be like, no, it'd be so convenient. I can sit back and let the people rule. People who actually want this job can do it. I don't want it. I want to watch these movie films all day. Mm-hmm. They were appointed. So that could be a factor as well. That could be a great contribution for like, say, a, a small but wealthy nation like dials back, like no, we're gonna we're gonna go with this uh, this democratic republic thing. Because we've on. already been doing it on a small scale for years. Yeah, you know. So uh, and someone could point out, well, they've been doing it for years. How <clears throat> come over here we're still <clears throat> kissing the ring on the paw of, of this guy? This is a good start. I guess we just gotta you know we gotta throw funky names around. Like I don't know how funny we want to be. With this. Well, yeah, we could we could. You know what? Let's get as stupid as we need to get just to get through this. Just just placeholder names because the action is what's important here. The creating right. the timeline is what's important. The, the the specific names of things. So let's just say I'll say Double Alpha is the supreme commander of the planet. Supreme King. Alpha. Supreme Alpha. Supreme Alpha. That's fine. Alpha Supreme. <laughs> so I'm gonna make a black circle and say Supreme Alpha is assassinated. Yes. Sun seizes command seizes, unjustly, or seizes command out of line. Um, seizes command and rallies the nation against the, the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Dear listeners, there are gonna be so many black circles in this episode. <laughs> Safe to say, the focus of this, if Cap is the lens, the focus of this is the Great War. Yeah. I think we can all uni- unified agree on that. Yeah. No, I'm splitting off. I'm going to go do my own Democratic Republic of wars. <laughs> I'm going to write about daisies. I think we've missed the entire age of horticulture. No, man, that was over here after the hunt and gather. We have not addressed any of the hanging gardens. <laughs> What's the thing leading up to this, though? What's, like, the thing leading up to the, <clears throat> the assassination? Clearly people are upset. Yeah, if they're creating political films or broadcasts that criticize the, the Supreme the Alpha, like, all of a sudden, like, uh, censorship could be a major factor combined with... Uh, I would say yeah, because the whole the whole genesis of this was just that people had started to question the old way of doing things. So you know, more mm-hmm. public and well, especially questioning the, of the supreme alpha, the uh, uh, age of enlightenment being a time where 
at a super accelerated rate, we've seen technology just explode, and also it begins with the first flight and ends with supersonic travel. Well, it doesn't <laughs> like, necessarily end. It's like that's that's the beauty of microscope. If we need to add or subtract or move whatever, it can all shift around. But but the, it, fact, it, it, the fact this card says end of age of enlightenment question mark question. But, just, but the way the game is played is you yeah. there's never always an end. But yeah. I think it's telling that the first flight. And supersonic travel are in the same age. Yeah. Because that didn't even happen on Earth. So this is quite literally is, is going too fast for them to catch up with. So I mean, look at, look at, I mean, the internet actually is a really good kind of starting ground. Right. We might see this, this level of destabilization within our own lifetimes because, right. because we cannot keep up with it. Mm -hmm. There's no way people are trying to regulate it by the same ways that they would regulate the old media. And it just, the same rules don't apply. The problem here is that technology is, is letting people exchange ideas much faster than it used to be, like how real technology does. It's not quite at the internet level yet, because that comes with the, the highest society level after it with the, with the really advanced technology. But it's gotten to a point where people are saying, wait a minute, if we can go wherever we want, and we can, we're entertained, and we're doing all these things, why does this guy... Supreme Alpha live better than the rest of us? How come there are some dogs still going hungry when yeah. we have the ability to take care of everybody? Why is my science appropriated by the state when it yeah. could be helping people yeah. like, and it's not? So we'll say that especially with things like canine cinema and better communication technology, you can no longer ignore that there are haves and have-nots among the dog culture. Back in the uh, Inquisition days, that's just a matter of fact of life. You know, whereas now it's like, well, wait a minute. We have the technology to do this. How come How come I can't get that? It's it's no skin off your back. You know, like, how come, you know, it's, it's so easy to live. So I'm trying to get, think of a, an event that would point that out. Perhaps the release of a film highlighting dog disparities. I'm going to say canine television. I'm going to, I think we need to put canine television in here that there's, like, investigative. Whether I'm going to assume that canine television's already been invented. I'm doing a later thing that's right. going to say that this is the news, press sort of thing, it's becoming more obvious that you can see every day you are seeing bad stuff happen. So I'm going to say, Canine TV shows great inequality and asks why. This could be the start of philosophical meme movement among yeah. all kind, where people, that just, just really, when everyone can see it. Yeah, I got you. You know, it's, and then after that we can decide if there's censorship, and then there's whatever, where it's like, wait a minute, after we've seen, the, like, everyone can agree, we all saw this, like, this is bad, and now we're just gonna pretend it didn't happen, so I'm gonna make that a... Bury our heads like we bury a bone. Yeah. Here, I'm putting that up it, here. It like. goes Inquisition, Age of Enlightenment, Industrial Revolution, The Great War. So Doug has put Canine TV at the start of the Great War just prior to the assassination of the Supreme Alpha. Because mm -hmm. that's right when things get destabilized. <clears throat> and there could be a moment in there where it's like, oh, wait a minute, diplomacy will come through. And then no. What you got, Tony? I am adding the event where smaller principalities start ruling with multiple alphas. Okay, I got because you, yeah. If we, if we need to have, I mean, that's... Yeah, that that's is something that has to happen before, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to put that right at the end of the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Or maybe even at, I'd say maybe at even Age of Enlightenment, like, yeah, enlightenment would be where it starts, yeah, and then it just like a, it just yeah. grows. There was this so, so that way there was a problem that's been growing this whole time that they didn't even think about. It was just sort of like a natural solution. Yeah. And it seems like a, a reasonable um, response to the Inquisition um, if people are aware of what you know how that went down in other regions of the world where maybe it wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. They could get out from under that yoke and be like, you know what, that sounded terrible. Let's never do that. And that's a nice, probably the only unfilled circle we will see today. <laughs> I have passed the pen to Cap. This means, Cap, that means you can now do two cards if you wish. Right. As long as they're embedded in, in each other. Let's say, I mean, the only way to really end the Great War is for something similar to what happened with World War II to be mirrored in some ways, where what's left behind is a group of countries that could create this Cold War environment that we're starting our story in. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the leaders have been dealt with, like the young son who caused all this trouble initially, long gone, but uh, advisors who still carry resentment but have been humbled by the will of so many. They still demand their way above all others. I don't see them ever consenting to yeah. anything like communism. Could it, could like, it be that the way this the war is resolved is that there is like modern day England, there is a monarchy that really doesn't have any power. It's just sort of there's a figurehead for those who feel like they need it. I, we're getting into that. What is the event that convinces people to stop? Stop fighting? Is it going to be just a, the good guys are that much better? Or are we going to have a cataclysmic instance of destruction? Well, maybe instead of like a bomb dropping or something like that, I think it could just be that they they fight for so long... And this world is being destroyed. There needs to reach a point where maybe the final thing is they are able to sort of storm the castle and take control. And whoever is going to be in charge of the, I'm just going to call it monarchy until we figure out what the heck it, it actually is. It's like, look, all right, we're, we're taking power from you. That's it. And this whole thing is over. But they point out that there are some dogs out there who will just never stop needing an alpha. Like they, they, because again, culture has not yet caught up to where everyone else is. Although maybe a majority of people are starting to think that, oh, everyone is their own alpha, but there's still a whole bunch of, like a large percent of the population out there really believes that if we don't have one alpha leading us, then we're kind of lost. So it's almost like they have to sort of compromise with a figurehead who doesn't really have that much power, but is there to sort of keep the other people pacified which is which would okay. explain a cold and, war and there's some degree tension. of religious zealotry embedded in this because they know that their gods exist right they just don't know how or why which is why it's so dangerous for if they would ever get the far-fetched you know like right it could even be that the that the that that monarchy that was in charge knows about the far-fetched and they they can't figure it out but like they know it exists in an area 51 sort of base that could be another problem, is that they have this secret knowledge that the average dog knows nothing about. And then when the new government finally comes in, they're like, you knew this shit the whole time? And they're like, well, we were the chosen dogs. We, you know, we were the ones who were supposed to lead the dogs to a path that leads us back to the masters. And it's just like, oh, God, you guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, the fact that the mental sickness of that we are better than you 
runs so deep in that. But but at the same time, they realize they can't just pull the curtain down and reveal this to everybody, to the common dog. Yeah. Because it, this shaky truce, it would just go away again and people would start fighting all over again. In that case, I say the death of the heir <clears throat> marked the end of the war proper. And at that time, we'd have our, our hero dogs recognize that it needs to exist. It just needs to be castrated. Yeah, yeah. We need to fix the monarchy. Yeah. Well, and that, that leads... That that leads to occupation, which is a sound course of action given the circumstance. But at the same time, by the time our story starts, that nation or group of nations needs to be active of its own accord or at least capable of subterfuge to the point that the nation that the lightning dogs that they're serving will actually be aware that they're working on something, but that there's a threat there. Because right now it sounds like, you know, like they're, they're done, they're neutralized, believe what you want, guys, but... Uh, we're going to keep a watchful eye on you because you're out of control. It's not a real threat. So we have to like take that from them. And I don't know if we want to like, you know, risk mirroring the World War One to World War Two schism where Germany had the ability to rise again. But, you know, maybe that's something we should look and to. I, I think that's where I was going. The idea that, you know, we recognize the monarchy needs to stay in place to prevent additional fighting. I think almost look at the, because um, again, my history might be wrong, but didn't we have the Emperor of Japan still be the Emperor of Japan? Yeah. We, I, I mean, so. but was the, made a figurehead. But they thought he was a god until America paraded him through the street and be like, nope, it's just a man. There was more contributing factors than just that. But yeah. yes, that was like a, a thing. Like he actually had to come on the radio and the, the people were hearing the voice of their emperor for the first time over the radio. It was like, what the fuck? Like they didn't, he just didn't do that, you know? So... Yeah. There could be something to that where it's like the air quotes winning team of this rebellion is able to have this monarch sort of not step down, but just sort of play ball with them to sort of keep the peace. Maybe the person who's currently going to be in charge of the monarchy is not the same bastard son who started the whole mess, but just like uh, either another son or the son of this son or the daughter of this person. Or it could even be the vizier to tie back who to was, the... So who was supposed to be the second in command anyway, yeah. I do think that the Germany after World War One is a, a good archetype for us to use, simply because if we're going to have this Cold War to where the government that is is frightened of them coming back, it needs to be somebody who has enough resentment built up mm -hmm. in the powers that be of that country. But they are the ones who do hold the secrets of the Farfetch and of Master Culture that they have not yet released. Well, uh... We would have found that. We would have found that. Right. They too had that information. Right. And then the second they catch wind of us, because I'm going to use the us and them, mm -hmm. the second they catch wind of us starting to use it in a way that they don't see fit, that we should be the first to meet the mm -hmm. Master, I see that being a, a solid conflict. You could just see a stuffy monarch figurehead in some giant throne room. It's like, all this talk among the poor dogs of everyone is their own alpha. It's pish posh. It's poppycock, I tell you. Bollocks. <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Let them talk. <laughs> it is nothing but yapping. There's only one. That's why it's called alpha. Only one. What you got there? The white circle. It's really a gray circle, but, you know, whatever. Son is removed from power and executed for war crimes. Persons from within the monarchy are appointed by the victors. An uneasy truce is met. War ends. Black Dot. Battle lines are drawn. Nations remove themselves from the monarchy or swear fealty to the Alpha. The process lasts months and causes rebellions across the globe. All right, Doug, time to follow it up. Well, I mean, we're, we're going to stick on the focus of the Great War and the build-up and the fallout and everything in between. 
I'll say the new established government discovers that the monarchy has been keeping all that stuff secret. So do we want to go with that there's only one Farfetch or that there are others they may be discovered? Or that there's one Farfetch, it was found by the monarchy, it's acquired by the new, the, the new, the new government, and now the monarchy is trying to build its own, which could be disastrous. I think that there's only been one discovered. However, there is the possibility that there is another, you know, as far as, as far as main people go, the idea is that there was, you know, there's only one. The monarchy has been trying and failing to create their own. Perhaps our catalyst could be that they discover another Farfetch. Like catalyst for the series, or? One of the catalysts for leaving as quickly as they do. But they found another one, but that it's in disrepair. Well, one of the catalysts for leaving is that they're running low on crystals, too. It's not public knowledge, but they, they, they need to figure out a solution soon. Especially after the war, I would imagine. I wrote, government discovers monarchy has kept many secrets about Master Tech. Government decides to keep much of it a secret, but for the common good. So in other words, like after this, they're going to start sending their own scientists to work on this stuff. And they're going to slowly release this stuff when they feel like it's ready. But they discover like this huge amount of stuff, like far-fetched technology, other weapon technology, things where they're like, holy shit, we had no idea. How could you have known all this stuff and just not... And also not won know. the war, I might yeah, yeah, which yeah. is maybe a question we have to ask ourselves. So I'll put that. I think uh, when they discover all this stuff, it'll be... But we're also just saying Master Tech. There's nothing in there that says it's weapons. It could be weapons, but... Yeah, it doesn't specify. It just says that they, that they know a lot about Master Tech. Anything could be a weapon, man. Well, they found that laser cutter in the mine. You know, it's, it was like the first big weapon that was found. Get this part out of the way. Fill in the black circle. All right. I have just written the Battle of the Empty Bowl, an extended engagement between forces each cut off from their respective leads, resulting in starvation and cannibalism. And I figured this would be the sort of thing where perhaps... Closer to the end of the war, where it's like, what are we doing? Wouldn't even it could be closer to the end of the war. This, I see, is an opportunity for, say, Dingo and Angela. This is the type of battle that is written about in the history books. This is right, the right. I mean, if we're calling back to, say, Firefly, the Battle of Serenity Valley, the sort of thing that you mentioned that you fought there. And they go, ooh. And perhaps even is one of the stigma, ooh, perhaps is a stigma as to why Dingo's still around. Because if, if you're around in an army with the idea that not only did you survive the rest of your team, but you know they were eaten, it starts to question what you're willing to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we want to have that as our lead character, just the thought. A cannibal lead character. But I think but Tony's saying that, that knowing that he's the only survivor, but that they befell a horrible fate. I'm not even saying that necessarily he did. But if that's the reputation you were stuck with... Mm -hmm. Well, they're like, oh, how did you survive? And I it's had like, a baby. <laughs> Dingo jokes! <laughs> and maybe that's something he's got to deal with. No! <laughs> no! Oh, why not? Sit there, come home from the war, and there's a mother of a son because who was there. You ain't my baby! Because that's not the kind of, sh of story the, we're telling can, with characters like that. I, I think cannibalism might be a little too far, but I think that... The idea of it being a serious battle that's no, like... and it's something that... La yeah. I, I pictured this lasting for weeks well beyond any kind of rations or food stuff they would have prepared. They're both cut off. But I think that's bad enough. Like, that's... I think that's I, I put it there because that's where I saw some of it going. Mm -hmm. If you want, I can put some cannibalism. <laughs> because it's it's a type of rumor that would come up from that anyway. Like, I that could, pretty... Cannibalism could be a rumor, but that, I'm fine with that being a rumor of, of stuff. But in terms of like actually having Digna witness cannibalism, a little too heavy for lightning talks. 
I'm not saying this is this bat is, is battle is a bad idea. I'm saying if we're gonna go out on a limb and say this is a defining moment in the life of our hero, like I'm like, no, that's extremely severe. That's like good guys eating bad guys, good guys eating good guys, like that. I don't know. It, it's I I'd rather him be witness to like troops bombing villages of families and children rather than put in a situation where people could even suspect him of being a cannibal. That's not the reputation. He's a hero dog archetype. He's not like the like a pit bull archetype, you know, like what like a, a wounded veteran yeah. archetype. Yeah, slap it to Angela. It's an op- it's a place for us to play. So we've got a lot of details here. We don't have anything in stone insofar as what the various factions are called and so on and so forth. Now we could we have enough here that we understand the nature of the timeline enough. We could stop this right here and not mm-hmm. have to really, you know, we're all obviously going to come back to many many portions of this timeline. Uh, but what would be good to know is definitively what the respective parties are called, what the war is all about. And as far as like, you know, where our characters come from and how they fit into the war, that would be determined by our, our character studies. I think, well, then what we'll do is we'll do one more round to wrap up this. So we so now it's free reign of whatever we want to focus on because we did we filled up the Great War part pretty good. So now it's player's choice, I suppose. Like whatever finishing touch you want to add, we'll all add another card. Mm, we'll do a finishing touch. I want to see what Tony does in case it affects what I do. <laughs> I mean, you, um, you started drawing a circle before you even wrote, so I would. So I want to wait and see what you're getting. I want. I want to keep it happy. We've got enough black spots on the board. I, we actually well, today, sure, but like, look at their timeline. General, yeah. We're we're too good natured. There's lots of white circles on here. The world needs more peril. Does it though? It does. Dogs are good natured creatures, mm. by and large. I'm going to do one that takes place at the end of Hunting and Gathering that would probably... Or it would probably be the beginning of the gods from the past. Master worship begins. Dogs living around master structures see, hear, feel, and smell strange things. Fear begins to dictate their actions. And I am adding another event to the Industrial Revolution. Inspired by the thrill of trying to catch his tail, Cornelius P. Chase uses the recently created car for Chase Car, a competition of speed around a noble track. <laughs> okay, flirting with disaster there, Cornelius. Beginning of car culture, I'd say. A grown dog chasing his own tail. Got to be like other dogs, just like, oh, will you grow up? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, those same people. I can, I can picture it now because if we wanted to add that scene, we could absolutely have that scene where Cornelius was always told to grow up, and then as the champion of chase car, an exceptionally popular sport. And their southern dog principalities. Those same people died upon their words. Great moments in dog history. All right. Black Dot, Great War. A major blow is dealt to free dogs when Lycos's capital city, it's a country, mm-hmm. uh, is bombed by new bomber craft. The horrors of war and the wrath of church and state are seen by the world on TV, shaking both sides. An opportunity for tragedy, for uh, confidence to be both bolstered and wavered, depending on your degree of zealotry. Mm. And uh, that's gone before the Battle of the Empty Bowl I, and after the battle lines are drawn. I think so. I think that's important to happen early on, so the rebellion can counteract with um, with any kind of new technology. To, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, whatever whatever let those bombers get through, they're going to figure out how to never let that happen again, and presumably. 
it wasn't such a crippling blow that the war didn't end then and there. It's but, more like an example. You know, and parts of it's a ground war, parts of it's not. When I described Angela and uh, Dingo's first meeting, I was thinking like, you know, military installations in, in jungles and so on. So it's an opportunity for different terrain than what's associated with some of the wars we're mirroring. I like bringing Lycos back. Yeah, it's a nice name. It's a really nice name. So I think you like can... Lycos, do you? I Lycos it very much. Go get it. <laughs> Canes from the monarchy. It's definitely where, yeah, some part of him stems directly from there. And would they allow someone who was, like, actually within that on this team? Probably not, but someone whose culture descends from that? Assuredly. That's Mm -hmm. 100% where he's from. And now that we have some context for uh, the religious zealotry in the the dog timeline, that'll change the level of detail I can provide for his sordid backstory. Well, there you have it. That's a lot of info to digest. If you'd like to see the final overview of Domus's timeline for yourself, you can check out the document that we'll be posting on this episode's page. With the world-building session complete, we're finally ready to dive back into the character outlines, right? Well, surprisingly, no. Before getting back to those, we got sidelined on a number of other critical advancements to the world of the Wasteland and the development of the Lightning Dogs project at large. For example, chronicling the history of future Earth and the disaster that led to its destruction, not using Microscope, but via a series of whirlwind conversations centered around Glampire and his backstory. We also team up with outside artists, pave the way for vehicle designs, and of course, weird creatures and strange concepts. It's a mad world we're building, and sometimes this unwieldy project throws us into a ton of unexpected directions. But you'll be hearing more about our dogs soon. If you want us to pick up the pace on these releases and go weekly, well, then we'll need your help. Lightning Dogs is entirely fan-funded, and while we're not going to stop working on this project, much of its future and how quickly we can produce it is in your hands. So head over to patreon.com slash lightning dogs to help out. We've got a growing roster of bonus content and offer early access to episodes and other Lightning Dogs projects. One of our key goals is to hire me full-time. That will allow us to double our Lightning Dogs output to weekly podcast releases and really kick this project into gear. Currently, Cap is the only person working full-time on Lightning Dogs or Nerdy Show, and having another person on hand is such a big deal that both the Nerdy Show Network and Lightning Dogs Patreons are working towards hiring me. If possible, we'll split the difference between the two campaigns to make it happen. It sounds like a lofty goal, but it's not out of reach. And before then, there's other important milestones, like securing a stable monthly budget for art and business expenses, which we're just $50 away from. And after that, we'll be able to pay Greg Wiseman, creator of Gargoyles, co-creator of Young Justice, to review our pitch bible and advise us on the next steps towards making Lightning Dogs an animated series. So join the pack at patreon.com slash lightning dogs. Together, we're mighty and we'll never turn tail. Speaking of the pack, I'm happy to announce the induction of a new member to our band of Wasteland Rebels. Hey Wolf, who's the new recruit? Well, 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 it's a number one cool dude, Joshua Westfall. Welcome to the pack. We'll see you around the campus. Hello! There's one other way to help support Lightning Dogs that's absolutely free, and it helps a ton, and that's rating and reviewing us on iTunes. As of this recording, we're still in need of enough reviews to help us get a publicly displayed rating. Keep the reviews coming, and we might even be able to make it to a list that'll expose Lightning Dogs to new people. It only takes a few seconds to give us a five-star rating, but if you've got a little bit more time, leave a short review, like Disden Bates did. He said, A serious howl of a good podcast. With big dreams and the talent to achieve it, this is the cast that you want to listen to if you've ever dreamed of creating an animated series or just love old corny 80s and 90s cartoons like TMNT, Thundercats, He-Man, etc. Awesome. Thank you so much for the review. And thank you for listening to this episode of Lightning Dogs. Ah! <laughs>
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 